Welcome to Unite Immigrant Families. I'm Rosemary Vega, an immigration attorney with over 20 years of experience uniting and keeping families together. If you are looking for immigration information, stick around and listen to me and my fellow immigration attorneys as we discuss what's new and debunk myths. Please note, this is not legal advice and no legal advice will be given on this podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Unite Immigrant Families. Today we have my very, very good friend, Magali Candler, an excellent, excellent immigration attorney here in Houston. Magali, how are you? Hi, I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you. No, thank you for be, for agreeing to be on our podcast. I know you've been on it before and we'd love to have you. Thank you. It was so, so much fun. Thanks. So today we're going to talk about requests for evidence and notices of intent to deny. So, you know, we we refer to them as RFEs and NOIDs. And so, Magali, can you just tell us what is an RFE or a request for evidence? Right. You get a letter from immigration after you filed whatever application. It could be employment-based. It could be family-based. And then you get this request for evidence for sometimes really ridiculous things. They might have misplaced a birth certificate that you did submit or the translation of it, the interpret, the translation of the document. And you'll be saying, but wait a second, I submitted that. But yeah. still, they'll be asking for it. And of course, we need to respond. And why do you need to respond? You don't want them to deny it. If they request evidence, you don't want to ignore it, even if you've already submitted it. But that's what a request for evidence is. And you definitely need to respond. You want to be timely. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But you definitely want to avoid being denied. So with a request for evidence, it literally is what it's it's saying. It's a, it really is yeah. more evidence because they've either mis- lost something or they're they're saying you haven't proved up your your burden yet. Your exactly, plate. that's right. I mean, that's a very good point. It could be something so minor uh, as far as doing the work for a client. It could just be oh, we need to add, we need to send more photos again, or they misplaced. The worst would be, and I've seen it happen. They've misplaced a medical exam, which yeah. is a shame because you know those are very expensive. But those are simple ones. Every now and then, you're right. They're asking, hey, we need you to prove that uh, this is, I don't know, that you are a multinational manager, for example. You know, something really serious where you're having to do a legal argument and submit more evidence. And so those are more difficult. It could go from something easy to something very complicated, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so... That's a request for evidence. And then you have a notice of intent to deny, which we call NOIDs. And my experience is you get the request for evidence first. And then if they're still unhappy, they'll send you a a NOID, a notice. That's right. I've seen those as well. But you know what's interesting? I've seen, I think I was mentioning to you earlier before we did the podcast now, that I've seen one where I actually believe they had lost the petition because it had been pending. It was a family-based petition and a U.S. citizen petitioning for his spouse. She was in removal proceedings. The case was on appeal. And that thing was pending over a year. When we did inquiries and they found it, 
What's really strange was instead of doing an RFB, we actually did get annoyed, a notice of intent to deny, which was quite shocking and upsetting if you get something like that. Mm -hmm. We responded to it immediately. And what they wanted was more evidence of the bona fides of the marriage, the strength of the marriage, because they married while she was in removal proceedings, and that requires a higher burden. I want you to know I feel like we had already met it, but it's kind of like when they say, hey, we need a birth certificate, and you're thinking, wait, I already gave you that. So it's kind of similar. I felt, wait, we already proved this, but we went ahead and just blanketed them with evidence, and so we were able to overcome it. Yeah, and the request for, let's go back to request for evidence. And Well, and actually, the noids both of them you have to you mentioned you have to respond to them in a timely fashion that's right and normally in the request in the request for evidence they'll give you how much time they're going to give you to respond right right that's right i've seen recent go ahead go ahead i I was just to say sometimes it's 30 days and then sometimes it's 84 days that's Mm -hmm. my experience what about you it is really strange i agree and i've even seen one more recently, it came from one of the district offices, I think it was Los Angeles, and they were requesting or only giving 15 days, which is really surprising. I know. And we responded. And I think, in fact, I was mentioning this one to you earlier as well. I responded, I believe, on the 15th day. And I wanted to mention that we do have something that started in COVID and it's been extended. And I know you're going to want to mention it more, but a flexibility in filing where immigration is actually giving us a little bit more time to respond on really every RFE annoyed. So that one, I believe I did it timely within their 15 days, but actually I could have had an additional 60 days. And I don't know if you want to talk about it a little bit, because this is something that we got during COVID and it's been extended, but now the most recent extension we've been told may be the last. Yes. And Um, That is USCIS sent out a memo and the latest one was from March of uh, March 30th of this year, 2022, stating that they are being flexible in responses to to RFEs, to NOIDs, to uh, intent to revoke, intent to rescind. And in the memo, it says that they're giving us an additional 60 days to respond to these requests. That's right. And this memo, if I recall, ends, it says it includes all RFEs and NOIDs, as you mentioned, and other types of documents like that through July 25th, if I remember. Is that what you remember? Correct. Correct. So it looks like and they also mentioned that this is probably the last extension. So, ah, uh, right, right. They started this sometime in 2020, right? Yes. Really early in the pandemic, I want to say perhaps March or April of 2020, they started doing this. The nice thing is it really does grant you those additional 60 days at the end. And I know today we're not going to talk about motions to reopen or motions to um, reconsider. That's a little bit different. The, The 60 days start counting from the day of the document. But for these responses of what you and I are talking about today, it's really wonderful to have an additional 60 days. It truly is. It helps tremendously. It really does. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, with with requests for evidence, it just depends on how long the service gives you. They could give you, like you mentioned, 15 days. Wow. Exactly. That's the worst I've seen. You're right. Some of them go all the way to 84. Mm -hmm. I've seen some that were 
as much, but I'm not recently, by the way, but I have seen some that were like 12 weeks, which was surprising. Yeah. Like I don't know. That's, that's a ton of that's a long days. Time. I know that's a long time. Uh, normally I've seen even 90 days at times, mm -hmm. but you're right. I've seen 84, which is interesting. I've seen 87. They yes. also have that rule that if something is mailed, you have an additional three days right. for mailing. And so since most of our clients receive everything by mail, then they do have those three days. So I think right. it's funny when they say 87 days. It's so that right. you can see if it was mailed. And then again, technically, you look at the day that it would have been due and you have an additional 60 days. If you receive a document asking for this extra evidence between now and, you know, or before and up until July 25th, if they don't extend it, Anything you get dated after that, you're going to have to really follow exactly what's on the document. And I agree. I mean, I think I know they say they won't extend it. I guess if the pandemic heats up and gets worse, maybe they will. But it's true that it, it feels as if we're maybe coming out of it a little bit even though it feels like we're in our third year of this almost. But, I know, you know, but they're probably not going to extend it because they've also stopped using masks at the, at USCIS. That's right. That's right. But I'm going to wear my mask. I have an <laughs> yeah. appointment next week. I am wearing my mask there. Let me tell you. Yeah. And I do see a lot of, a lot of people wearing their masks when I've gone. So yes, 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 yes. But you're right. The fact that they're not, following that protocol anymore. I agree. I think that we're going to start having to, if you get 15 days, if you get 30 or the 33, if you have the extra three days or 90, yeah. we'll have to really follow that. But it is nice to have this flexibility. And I just want to remind people that at least for things that are received between now and July 25th, they do have that additional time. Yeah. I also recommend, you know, documenting that and pointing it out oh, that you're using it. Yes. I thought That's about nice. the one that I did in 15 days. I thought, oh, maybe I should have. But I, I that one I actually got in. Yeah. And really, they should follow their own memo, whether or not you cite it, you know. But it's sure. a good idea to cite it. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And so let, let's talk a little bit about what types of RFEs are out there. And I mean, you mentioned sometimes it's they misplaced or lost a birth certificate. I've seen that quite a bit. Um, or a medical, which uh, mm -hmm. those are the worst. The medical is so expensive. I have seen that, yes. And then, you know, maybe just photos. more. Photos every now and then. Yeah, photos and more evidence. They they want, you know, really right. a lot of evidence. Well, and again, some of them are substantive. You know, some of them, like the family-based ones or family-based for somebody in removal, they really want more evidence of the validity of that marriage Correct. or to show the relationship. I've seen, uh, as an example, too, I've seen an RFE on a an advanced parole application, what's an I-131, and they wanted to know it was for a DACA, a Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. You and I spoke about that last time together. And they wanted to see the relationship between my client and her great aunt. We had mm -hmm. all this evidence of the medical issues, why her mm -hmm. aunt could not travel from Nicaragua here, and a sworn statement for my client, why she was so close to her great aunt. She had been almost like a grandmother. Her grandmother had passed, and her great aunt mm -hmm. had been, when she was little, before she came to the United States, had taught her all sorts of things and taken care of her. So we had all that. But what's interesting, and really, honestly, it surprised me that we had not thought of this. We thought that would be enough. They actually RFE'd us wanting to see 
all the birth certificates going back like to her father and then her grandmothers and her aunts showing that they had the same parents, which wow. I never really, it seemed a bit excessive for just showing that she wanted to visit her country of birth that she had not seen since she was five years old. Wow. And now she was 30, you know, and so that surprise, I didn't necessarily expect that. But after that, I realized, oh, well, let me start thinking of that as well. Mm -hmm. I just would not necessarily have thought of that. And they wanted that. That's just an interesting example. Right. That surprised me. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I've gotten where, you know, on the VAWAs I-360s, where they want more proof of the abuse or you know, maybe you have an officer who doesn't believe that there is that certain events that is actual abuse, you know. Right. And that's true. I've seen those as well. You know, and I've had to explain what abuse is to this officer and that's explain right. about right. all these types of, you know, it's not right. just physical abuse. It's emotional, mental. Exactly. You know, well, you know, I think that's a little bit of a training issue, and we see that. Right. And again, mm -hmm. when I've said, I, I know that I've submitted often enough evidence of the marriage, right. I still want more. And I think, well, and we have to do it, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, it, there may be a training issue, but we still can't ignore it. Right. So I also, right. And I will list, I will go ahead and include, I think this is good for everyone to know, and I know you do this as well, Rosemary, I go ahead and include the things. Let's say they've sent an RFE asking for some specific things, which I've seen, for example, I'm trying to think of a good example, a case where we were trying to prove that the person was waived in to the oh, United yeah. States, and so we couldn't prove their actual entry. They didn't have a stamped I-94 or passport, but we had already given a lot of this evidence. So I went ahead and in that case, I still listed everything and I included the things that they were asking for that we had already included. And I would put in parentheses and I've, I've gone back and forth on this, but I did say something about originally included or included in the mm -hmm. original packet, I but I included same. it again. Yes, I really I did. do the same. Uh, yeah, I do absolutely I've, same. Exactly. I've seen in employment-based cases, especially during the most recent, um, the last administration, we saw in employment-based cases for H's and L's, for those visas, we saw a little bit, I think, an increase in requests for evidence on those cases. Things that I think other years might not have been asked. I think the last administration made a lot of the employment-based cases a little bit more difficult. I think there may have been an intent to slow things down a little, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I yes. kind of saw that across the board. So I know that on um, some of my employment-based cases, not in all of them, but I remember having an L visa where mm -hmm. they wanted, you know, they really got, they got into the weeds of showing, proving my client either, I can't remember now being in a multinational executive or manager. And again, we had included a lot of this evidence already. So I went ahead and listed it, but that one ended up being like a legal argument yes, in the end. Not, and it was approved, but it was a more extensive one. That's more than right. just saying, hey, we need your birth certificate or we need a translation of your birth certificate. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. And you know, <clears throat> excuse me, recently, probably within the last five years, I have seen uh, they don't, you may submit a divorce decree from, you know, the foreign country and they don't feel that that divorce decree is sufficient. 
Yeah, that's really serious. And for everybody who's listening, you must prove when, when even if it's an employment-based case, they want to know your biographical history. So they want to know, have you been married before? They want to see your marriage licenses or certificates, your divorce decrees. And especially if you're doing a marriage-based or an employment-based where you're following to join your spouse or your spouse is petitioning for you, you're going to have to prove that you were free to marry. That's right. why that divorce decree is so um, so important. And I cannot believe that they're not honoring these. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you've seen, Rosemary? I've been hearing about this. Yeah. So what I have seen recently is immigration sending either requests for evidence or noise stating that this divorce decree is not sufficient. They oh, don't my. believe that it's a valid divorce decree. Um, and so these are I divorce would, decrees from the other country. Yes, it's and from you a know, see, country. They're supposed to, and I guess for everybody listening, we want you to know that immigration is supposed to honor the family law of whatever country where Correct. you were married or you were divorced. They should honor it. So Correct. that's a problem. What are, why are they doing this? They they are suspecting that it's a fraudulent document. My gosh. So, you know, in order for it not a lot of people are saying, well, okay, I, I'll just get divorced here in the United States from my previous spouse that already had this divorce. Yeah, which they could do. They could do right? that. Yeah. Um, but the I-130s already pending right. based on this new marriage. And so if you're saying, okay, well, I'm just going to go get divorced here, well, then that that invalidates the I-130 right. because essentially it's you're saying, well, okay, you're not going to respect that. You think I'm still married. I'm still married. Okay, I'm going to get a divorce here. And then it invalidates this other marriage. Oh, my. So it, it and it's almost like admitting, you know, what I don't like about that either. It's like they are saying and I know that you had mentioned to me that when you've seen this, you know, they're valid documents, you know it. And it's almost like if they do that, it's almost like they're admitting or saying, okay, it isn't valid. And I don't like that because then they could be charged with having misrepresented to the government. Correct. Even if they withdraw that uh, request, that petition, you know, I was thinking about this, Rosemary, when you and I spoke about doing this. And at first I was even thinking, well, they better, if they're gonna do that, they need to withdraw that petition. But it still doesn't change that the government would still say, even withdrawing it, they can say, yes, but in the past you have submitted some, you know, uh, you've made a willful misrepresentation. So that is really serious. I, so, uh, you know, what can we do to overcome so these things? I have I'm, been hearing that this is going on more and more. Yeah, I am thinking, and I don't know, I don't know what other attorneys have done. I'm not sure, but my, I'm thinking that a good way to, to fight this is getting a declaratory judgment in here in, let's say we're in Houston. Mm -hmm. going down and filing a declaratory judgment in a, the civil court here so that the judge here can validate right. the foreign doc, the foreign. Doc. I think, I think that's a great idea. I don't know whether they'll accept it. I think they should, they right. should honor, you know, a judge here in Houston, you know, state court 
declaring that that is a valid document Correct. from whatever country it might be? Are they doing it for lots of countries or just certain ones? And I, I probably may not want to say, but I'm just wondering, you know, do you see it, any trends? In my practice, I am seeing it only from one particular country. Oh, I'm so sad. But you know what? I've seen that on some of the immigration law sites for immigration attorneys. I've seen other colleagues mentioning that. And to be honest, I want to say I've heard it from people in other jurisdictions, not just in yeah. Houston. Correct. So that's really, really concerning. Yes. It's and oh. that and that is why I'm thinking, you know, a declaratory judgment might work on these because <clears throat> you have to prove up that it is a valid divorce decree to this state court judge. They're not just going to say, oh, yeah, this is valid. Boom. They're not doing right. So, but how would we what are your thoughts on that? Because I know this is very serious. How have you thought? I know you haven't done it yet, but how would we get a state judge to agree that a, you know, a divorce decree from a country in in Europe or in Africa or wherever is valid? Because they're going to say, won't they say maybe I don't know the laws of wherever? Let's just say France. I know that France is not the country, I'm sure. But let's say, well, wait, I don't know the laws of France. I'm a family law uh, judge here in Houston, Texas. How can we, what would we be using to prove to get that declaratory judgment? So I I did not do a declaratory judgment in this particular case. Mm-hmm. I but I had a situation very similar, and I asked the clients, "Prove we need to prove that this is a valid divorce decree." Who did the divorce? You hired attorneys in your home country to do this. Oh, who are who are sense. these attorneys? Get get use an expert. Proof. Of course, of course, let's get um your ex-wife, go find her and let's get affidavits from her. Right. Let's, um, so you're gathering family members, right? Yeah. Yeah. And experts in that, in that home country or whatnot to prove yes. it. Yeah. And we, you know, unfortunately we did this responding to uh, Noid for USCIS and they still denied it. So, so sad. That's what can they do? Re- refile, perhaps, with more evidence this time. So I, I would think so. So, and I would, I would probably strongly suggest a declaratory judgment and see if it works, because then you have a state court judge right. saying this, and with an order saying this divorce yes. decree is valid. You know, that reminds me. And by the way, this was, it may be the same country. But it does remind me that I was hired by somebody who had a notice of intent to deny a naturalization application. And the reason was, it's very interesting, I don't think he'd even had his interview yet. Or he may have had an interview without an attorney. And then he hired me and we responded and got another interview. But what they were saying there, very similar though, saying, you know what? We think they were looking at the history of his marriages here in the United States. And what they found was that one of the women that he was married to, they said had been married to somebody else during a time that he was supposed to be married to her. So wow. and I think he got his green card through her. So they were saying, we can't grant you your naturalization, your citizenship, because we don't believe that you are eligible for the green card. And what I did, and this reminds me because it's, very similar to what you're saying, their marriage and her other marriage had been in Georgia. 
Mm. And so I was able to show I got a an expert attorney now that I think of it. And so those are very good ideas. This is not as a declaratory judgment, but in, in with the service. I submitted an expert opinion from a family law attorney in Georgia who could explain that that woman, her marriage, when we looked at the history, very interesting. Her valid marriage was to my client. The marriage to the other person was the invalid one. She was not free to marry that other person. Right. Isn't that funny? It's yes. very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so you know, we'll see. His naturalization is still pending. We had an interview right. over a year ago, and it's one of those things. I don't think he wants me to sue the government yet. So we'll see. But it was great. These are great. They were great arguments. We'll see. Yeah. What Poor well, man. Yeah. And, They're still thinking about it, and he doesn't right. want to sue them yet. And I think you know, getting declaratory judgments on these cases because if USCIS isn't going to accept experts and all this other information that these clients are getting, then why not go with a, a state court judge and get a, an order? And that way, USCIS, what is USCIS going to say then? Oh, we don't believe the state court judge? No, exactly. I agree. Now, would there be any way, and probably not, I'm just thinking, any thought about doing it in federal court or not? I'm into asking. I don't, know it, I don't know if it, you're able to do that in federal court. Okay. I don't I, know either. I mean, I just thought of that, wondering whether that would have more more strength to the immigration service, but I well, mean, that, you're right that a family law judge from the United States should have. Or, or a state court yeah. judge. It's not really a family. Or even judge. not even family, just a, a state, state court judge. Got it. Right. Got it. Like a civil court judge. Correct. Correct. Declaratory judgment declaring that they've seen all the evidence and this is a valid divorce. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Interesting. Yes. Because I think it's a good idea they have to prove up that that divorce is valid. Right. To the, the They're having to, to prove it anyway, right? So wouldn't it be right. nice to prove it to a state court judge and then we take that with us to immigration? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good idea, yeah. Yeah, you know, and these cases are so complicated that I always recommend that you get, you hire an attorney to do this. Oh, absolutely. You can't do this on your own. Yes. Well, that gentleman that I was just mentioning with the naturalization, which had to do with, you know, the notice of intent to deny and and all these this weird history of his marriages within the United States. Yes, he definitely needed to be represented. He had been trying to do this on his own. There's no way. You know, we've gone pretty far. I don't know what's going to happen, but at least we've been able to give a really strong argument opposing their notice of intent to deny. And as I said, we did get an interview, although then nothing has happened. And I know my client is not willing to sue the service yet. Yeah. Or the yeah. Immigration service. So we'll see. We'll keep waiting. We did yeah. submit some very good arguments. And in the future, we may be forced to appeal his um, naturalization. But anyway, this is all really related. This is very good that we're discussing these invalid, supposedly, um, you know, putative um, divorce decrees. I'm really sorry they're doing that. So they're doing that in the, in the, do you get annoyed when you get that or do you get an RFE or, or have you seen it with both? I want to say I've seen, I don't remember about the RFE. I want to say it might be the RFE, but I'm for sure it's annoyed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've seen one that's for sure annoyed. That's so sad. And can you, okay, with the extra 60 days, would you be able to get a declaratory judgment? With, so, you know, with the flexibility and of filing? Not, and maybe not, because if it's annoyed, and they're, with annoyed, you only get, what, 
30 days. And then and you're then, adding 60 days. And now. then you're adding 60 days right now. Right but now. After, right, right, right. If you get something between now and July 25th. Right, right. But after July 25th, you only have those 30 days. Exactly. But even with the extra 60 days, I'll tell you, it I'm may not, worried you wouldn't, that wouldn't be enough. Correct. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Correct. Well, wow. so you may end up with a denial or trying to withdraw the uh -huh. I-130 and then fixing all of this and filing right, and then filing it all over again and explaining why it is that you Correct. did not submit or, or make a willful misrepresentation in the other application because you know they're going to want to argue that. Correct. So, that yeah, it makes it even more complicated. Yes, you definitely need to be represented. Generally, any time that you're responding to an RFE or annoyed, you know, um, then again, I think it's better to be represented for a lot of these things from the start. I've right. seen other attorneys who don't practice immigration law having to end up hiring me or somebody, you know, one of us because they made a mistake. They don't know. They did not know the immigration laws, even though they were attorneys. So it is really important, I think, to Correct. make sure that you've covered everything. And even attorneys can get RFEs, even as careful as we are. And, you know, we are. We're very, very careful of covering everything. And even we've seen them. And again, yes. during the last administration, everybody was getting them. So you definitely wanted to be represented uh, when every attorney even was getting it. Can you imagine when you're not represented? What ends yeah, up it is so important to be represented. Um, you know, I've done cons I've done consults where people were not represented, filed this. They're in this situation where their government is saying this divorce decree is invalid and we're looking at it and he's like, I know I got this divorce because I hired an attorney. They did it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, in some country. Or but I've also seen, and I want people to be aware that they need to be very, very, very careful when they file things on their own, because when you're filing things on your own, you may think, oh, I am, I'm filing the I-130 and I can do this. No problem. It's just filling out a form and sending the birth certificates and the, and the marriage certificate. It's so much more than that. So much more. No, it's never about filling out forms for we're only filling out forms and anyone could do it. You really need to know uh, what the law says and what it is you're proving. That's right. That's right. And, and I mean, you have to be, you mentioned this earlier, you have to be free to marry. And I have seen so many people who really, they don't believe that their marriage in the home country counts. It's valid, counts, right, States. right. I've seen that. I've seen and that yes, well. if you're married in another country, you are married in the United States. Yes, you are. Right. Or that the other country recognizes maybe common law marriages. Uh -huh. And Texas recognizes common law marriages. Uh -huh. So guess what? You're married. You're married. And then you need to do something to dissolve that marriage. Correct. And if you're not, you know, we've got some weird rules in Texas, but generally if you've been living together and now you want to break up and you've got what's considered a common law marriage, either because of the, the way the law is or because you registered it even more if you registered it, you've got to get a divorce. Correct. You must get a divorce in order to dissolve it. So and, you need to look at foreign country laws to make sure that that, you know, are you married in your home country and you didn't know it? Right. I know that sounds weird, but it does sound weird, but you were mentioning to me 
Um, and this, I mean, I will mention a country because I didn't know this is something new. Uh, Colombia recognizes common law marriage. But I think that you were mentioning you've met with clients that didn't even recognize that that counted then here and that they do need to dissolve it before they're free to marry here. Correct. Very interesting. Yeah. And of it, course, we have common law marriage in Texas. Not every state has it. Correct. So we need to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so that area gets super complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're dealing with laws with very complicated laws. They're complicated even for lawyers. So, you know, and I think about this poor client thinking about him with his naturalization and being told, well, we don't think you were really married. And those are those are United States marriages. So imagine when you're bringing in, you know, we see it all the time. But I thought it was interesting to see that they were accusing him of all this yeah. with United States marriages. But right. it sounds like he was married to somebody who went and married somebody else after she was married to him. And under uh, Georgia law, that wasn't the valid marriage. So Correct. he was still free to get his green card. But it's interesting. We still haven't heard back. That's but I find it interesting. I mean, all those issues are so complicated. And I feel really bad for him that he was trying to handle it on his own initially. Mm -hmm. So I guess the moral of the story today is... <laughs> Definitely hire an attorney, especially if you've started your process on your own and you get a request for evidence or annoyed. Mm -hmm. I would definitely highly recommend you hire an attorney even before you start, because even though you may think, oh, this is so simple, it really isn't. No, but it's not. It really isn't. No, no. I was just speaking um, at a conference the other day, and we were speaking only of the petitions, only of family-based petitions, which seemed kind of basic. And I remember thinking, well, this is kind of a beginner's, you know, it's for attorneys that we were speaking. But honestly, and I've done this for almost 33 years, discussing the petitions of family-based petitions to attorneys, it was so, so complex once we started addressing these issues. And it even occurred to me, I cannot believe that somebody would really try to do this on their own or through, you know, with a notary or something, somebody right. that's not a licensed attorney or that doesn't know the immigration laws. Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah, we're talking about very complicated things. If you hire an attorney after you've got an RFE, be ready. That attorney may need to say, you know what? I almost have to charge you as if I did everything because they're going to have to learn everything in your case and redo it. And yes. so sometimes it's more expensive to fix things I have found. Yes. Um, you know, and that's just one of those things. Just be ready for that because your attorney is going to have to almost start at step, you know, kind of at step one, even if they're just responding to an RFE because they'll have to look and, at everything and make sure right, there's right. no inconsistencies. How did you prepare it? Would they have prepared it? You know, and, you know, it's it literally isn't just responding to the RFE because a lot of times I've seen these RFEs are a lot more in depth than what we, you know, you think, oh, I, I submitted everything sufficient, like you mentioned, and then all of a sudden you're having to write a legal argument. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm seeing on a, all the complex RFEs end up in the noise, end up needing legal arguments that you would need a good attorney to uh, understand the law and to be able to argue and, and to add it, to apply your facts to the law. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. I'm seeing Correct. that a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, Magali, that's all the time we have for today, but thank you so much for uh, being on and thank you for uh, inviting me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you.
Great. And if anybody needs to contact us, please contact us at uniteimmigrantfamilies at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unite Immigrant Families. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want more information about me or my guest, please email me at uniteimmigrantfamilies at gmail.com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I hope you join us on this bi-weekly podcast. No legal advice was provided and none will ever be provided on this podcast.